0: Here is a draft response for the registered report on testing the role of alpha phase on visual perception using an exact replication, study 1, and follow-up study varying temporal expectation, study 2. Thanks for joining us to discuss this important registered report looking at the role of oscillatory brain rhythms in perception. This multi-site collaboration aims to clarify some mixed findings in the literature by running a large. High Powered Replication of a Seminal Study on Alpha Phase Effects
1: Yes, the research questions they are addressing could have major implications for our understanding of how sensory information is processed in the brain. By building on an influential 2009 paper, study one will attempt to directly replicate those original findings using a standardized paradigm across many labs. Assuming a successful or inconclusive replication, Study 2 then builds on this to investigate the potential role of temporal expectations.
0: Exactly. The hypothesis is that perception fluctuates rhythmically with brain oscillations like alpha waves. So visual targets presented at specific phases should be processed differently, influencing things like detection rates and e-components. However, others argue temporal prediction may drive these effects. So study 2 varies when targets appear to test this.
1: Right, and the analysis plan they've outlined seems well-powered and rigorous. By collecting large data sets across numerous sites while controlling variables, this multi-lab approach aims to provide more robust and generalizable evidence than typical smaller studies. Their pre-registration also clearly defines hypotheses, tests, and planned interpretations based on different possible outcomes.
0: Yes the clear hypotheses and pre-registered analysis provide transparency. Some key outcomes could support oscillatory effects independent of expectations, while others may imply expectations influence these relationships. An inconclusive replication may still motivate study to tease these factors apart. Overall, Following this registered report framework increases confidence that findings reflect the underlying neural mechanisms rather than analytical flexibility.
1: Exactly. The pre-registration helps mitigate risks of flexible analysis increasing false positives. And by openly sharing protocols, data and code, this promotes reproducibility and reuse and helps advance our theoretical understanding regardless of the specific results. I'm looking forward to seeing how the studies turn out and what new insights may emerge from combining all these large datasets.
0: Great point. Transparent collaborations like this are so important for progressing science. Thanks for unpacking the goals and rationale of this registered report, I think listeners got a good sense of the questions, methods and potential implications. Let's check back in once data collection and analysis are complete to discuss what they may have found. (music) Is a draft comedic commercial for a fictional company inspired by the study Are Brain Waves Getting You Down? Feeling more like beta bumbles than Alpha All Stars? Introducing Rhythm Regulators, the first consumer brainwave buffer. Simply place our soothing earpieces in and let our gentle pulses put your brain in a prime phasic pocket. No more getting distracted when Delta drags you down, or missing cool stimuli when that pesky theta gets rolling. With rhythm regulators, you'll coast through your day in an optimal alpha aloha state. Feel perception harmonize as intended nature intended which is to say in sync with our beats so ditch those desynchronized doldrums and resync your think waves with rhythm regulators order now and we'll throw in a free pair of our gamma goggles to help you see visuals vibrationally but act now our brain buffers are sure to go fast faster than you can perceive without them rhythm regulators realign your neurons retime your consciousness available at fine mental merchants everywhere or not at all because this is a fake ad we made up. Here is a summary of the key findings from the paper Measures of Subclinical Psychopathy and Everyday Sadism Are Still Redundant, a conceptual replication and extension of Blotner and Muckrose, 2023. This study aimed to replicate and extend the findings of an earlier study that found brief measures of subclinical psychopathy and everyday sadism to assess essentially the same latent construct, despite being theoretically distinct. To improve on the previous work, the authors used more comprehensive psychopathy and sadism scales and criteria more pertinent to differentiating the two traits.
1: The results confirmed the original findings. Structural analyzes found psychopathy and sadism could not be distinguished at either the item or subscale level. The latent psychopathy and sadism factors were extremely highly correlated. Nomological network analyzes also showed strong overlap with many focal correlates of psychopathy equally or more strongly related to sadism, and vice versa.
0: Where differences in criteria were hypothesized to distinguish the traits, the findings often contradicted expectations. For example, both psychopathy and sadism scales showed similar associations with concepts thought to be more relevant to one trait versus the other, like types of aggression, impulsivity, and views of others.
1: The nomological network profiles of different psychopathy and sadism measures were likewise extremely similar, regardless of whether they intended to measure the same or different traits. This supports the notion of a jangle fallacy where different terms actually reflect a single underlying construct.
0: In summary, despite methodological improvements, the study provided further strong evidence that available measures of subclinical psychopathy and everyday sadism fail to distinguish the constructs and instead assess what is essentially a unitary trait. This calls into question whether everyday sadism should be considered distinct from psychopathy. There's a comedic radio commercial announcer, are you bored of being a regular old psychopath? Tired of the same old sadism? Then try a new ultra-sadopath. You can take your antisocial tendencies to the next level. Our premium blend of psychopathy and everyday sadism will have you devising cruel acts your boring friends can't even imagine. Want to terrorize strangers and torture small animals? Ultra Sadopath gives you the power to multitask your malevolence. No longer will you be held back by distinctions between subclinical traits. So stop wasting time on separate scales and questionnaires. With Ultra Sadopath, you get the full sadistic psychopathic experience in one convenient package. Call now and we'll throw in a free bag of torture toys. But you'll have to catch them yourself because we definitely won't deliver. Conditions apply, prior sadism not guaranteed to intensify. Ultra-sadopath, when ordinary evil just isn't enough. Here is a summary of the key points from the paper Nature vs. Nurture in the detection of sour notes. The paper investigated whether simple frequency ratios like 2 to 1, octave, 3 to 2, perfect fifth, and four to three, perfect fourth, are intrinsically advantageous for perception of melodies, or if their benefit comes from familiarity through musical acculturation. Three experiments tested melodic change detection for scales differing in frequency ratio simplicity. Listeners received extensive practice with each scale to control for familiarity effects. Experiment 1 found better performance for scales containing simple ratios like the major scale, even after practice. Performance gains from practice were similar for familiar and unfamiliar scales. Experiment 2 found better performance for a Phrygian scale containing a 3 to 2 ratio compared to a Locrian scale without it. This difference increased with practice. Experiment 3 found better performance for a scale containing a 4 to 3 ratio compared to 1 without it. Analysis of undetected changes provided further evidence that performance depended on frequency ratio simplicity and preservation of diatonicity. The results suggest simple ratios like 2 to 1. 3-2, 4-3 confer an intrinsic perceptual advantage for melody encoding that is not fully explained by familiarity. Practice also tended to increase this advantage, the authors conclude these ratios are naturally advantageous based on auditory neurophysiology, perhaps related to harmonic fusion, temporal pitch processing, or resonant neural oscillations. More work is needed to fully understand the underpinnings of melody perception. In summary, The paper provides convincing evidence that simple frequency ratios confer a natural perceptual benefit for encoding melodies, beyond what can be explained by familiarity through musical experience alone. This suggests melody perception is at least partly rooted in biological factors related to auditory processing. Here is a silly commercial for a company inspired by the paper, hey listeners! Do you find yourself struggling to remember tunes? Always mix up dough and Sol? Worry no more.
1: Introducing Ratio Tunes, the easy way to enhance your melodic memory. With our proprietary ratio reinforcement technology, we program your favorite ditties directly into your auditory cortex.
0: Just 30 minutes a day of Ratio Tunes listening is clinically proven to improve your pitch retention by up to 3 to 2.
1: No more fumbling for that elusive law. Let the magic of simple frequencies do the work for you.
0: With Ratio Tunes, You'll be humming harmoniously in no time. Sign up now and we'll throw in a free 4 colon 3 melodic booster pack.
1: Order in the next quarter hour and you'll receive a special 2 colon 1 ODL discount. That's right, half off harmonic happiness.
0: So what are you waiting for? Enhance your enjoyment of earworms forever with ratio tunes. Simple ratios for simple folks, it's music to your medulla oblongata. (laughs) is A podcast style response explaining the paper Licenciatura en Sicologia. Thesis. Approximation al estudio psicopatologico del de trivesta tecnicos de neuroimagen. In Spanish, hola y bienvenidos a otro episodio de nuestra podcast. Hoy elena, y yo vamos a analizar el artículo científico licenciatura en Thesis. Approximation al estudio psicopatologico del de trivesta tecnicos de neuroimagen. Es un tema muy interesante y importante que creo que nuestro soy en su procuran. Elena, gracias por la introducción, Tom. Antes de empezar nuestra discusión del artículo, quiero dar un poco de contexto histórico y conceptual sobre el TEPT. El TEPT ha existido por siglos, pero no fue hasta los años 80 que la asociación psiquiátrica americana lo incluyó formalmente en su manual de diagnósticos. Deste entonces, ha un aumento exponencial en la investigación del TEPT, lo cual ha llevado a un mejor entendimiento del trastorno. Sin embargo, todavía queda mucho por aprender, especialmente en cuanto a las bases neurologicas. Este estudio utiliza técnicas de neuroimagen para explorar las estructuras cerebrales asociadas con los síntomas del TEPT. Gracias Elena por ese contexto tan útil. Eso realmente ayuda a entender la importancia e impacto de este estudio. Vamos a explorar primero los objetivos y metodología y antes de entrar en los hallazgos específicos. El objetivo principal era ser una revisión de la literatura sobre los avances en el entendimiento del teptonivel cerebral y, y neurológico usando técnicas como tomografía por emisión de positrones, resonancia magnética funcional y otros. El autor realizó buscadas en varias bases de datos médicas para encontrar artículos relevantes de los últimos años. Luego analizo y comparo los holascos de esos estudios para integrarlos en sus conclusiones. Elena, muy bien explicado, Tom. Ahora pasemos a revisar algunos de los holascos neurológicos más importantes. Una de las estructuras que se ha asociado con el tep de hipocampo. Donde muchos estudios han encontrado una del volumen, especialmente en el lado derecho. Esto podría explicar en parte los problemas en la memoria que experimentan las personas concept. Otra estructura clave es la amigdala, que se hiperactiva en personas concept, lo que podría estar detrás de la dificultad en la regulación emocional. También se observa hipoactividad en varias áreas frontales como la corteza prefrontal. Lo la modulación de las emociones. Excelente resumen Elena. Mi la atención como varias de estas estructuras, como el hippocampo, la amigdala y las áreas frontales, forman parte de lo que se conoce como el sistema límbico, el cual venga papel crucial en las emociones y la memoria. Los helas gozapian la teoría de que el teptin volucra disfunciones en esta red neurologica clave. También quiero destacar que algunos estudios encontraron diferencias entre personas con tept crónico versus agudo, lo cual sugir que la duración de los síntomas puede afectar los cambios cerebrales subyacentes. Elena, excelente punto, Tom. Todo esto realmente nos da una mejor idea de los procesos neurológicos que ocurren en el tept. Aunque todavía hay muchas preguntas sin respuesta y holoscos contradictorios, este poda investigaciones nos a acerca poco a poco entender las bases biológicas de este trastorno. Sin duda, el conocimiento generado tendrá implicaciones importantes para el diagnóstico y el desarrollo de nuevos tratamientos. sido un placer hablar de este contigo. Gracias a ti Elena por esta interesante discusión. Hacido mi iluminador explorar esta articulo y sus halascos. Estoy seguro que nuestro soy habrán aprendido mucho sobre las investigaciones actuales en torno a de una perspectiva neurológica. Hasta la próxima. Here is a quirky 30-second commercial, upbeat jazz music plays narrator, Are you tired of treating your PTSD the old-fashioned way? With talk therapy and medication? Introducing Brain Spa. We use the latest neuroimaging techniques to personally customize your PTSD relief. Scenes of clients in MRI scanners and getting brainwave readings. Narrator, our team of neuroscientists and brain hackers will analyze your unique brain patterns and imbalances. Then we'll develop a treatment protocol just for you using technologies like TESS, RTMS, neurofeedback, and more. Client wearing colorful brain stimulation cap, narrator, say goodbye to flashbacks and insomnia forever one visit to brain spa will put you on the path to ptsd peace of mind conditions and side effects may include vivid dreams altered perceptions temporary numbness results not guaranteed happy client dancing under rainbow brainwaves. narrator brain spa because talk is cheap and drugs have side effects we fix problems at the source inside that complicated meat computer between your ears logo flashes with brain spa jingle <music> a proposed podcast episode following the guide provided. Welcome everyone to another episode of the award-winning podcast Memory Lab. I'm your host Tom. Joining me again is my co-host Jen. Today we're talking about an important topic in the field of memory research, sequential sampling models.
1: Thanks Tom. Sequential sampling models have had a huge impact on how we understand memory decisions and the relationship between accuracy and response time they provide a useful framework for integrating these variables.
0: Exactly. To get us started, let's provide some context on why sequential sampling models are so important. Jen, can you give us a brief introduction on what sequential sampling models are and how they emerge to solve some key issues in the field?
1: Sure. Sequential sampling models assume that evidence accumulates gradually over time from a stimulus until a threshold is reached that corresponds to making a response. Early on, models like the diffusion model struggled to account for asymmetries in response times for correct versus incorrect responses. But Roger Ratcliffe's seminal 1978 paper introduced the idea of variability in model parameters across trials. Considering memory strength as variable enabled the models to capture effects like slower errors that had eluded previous approaches. This was a major step forward.
0: Great overview. So Ratcliffe's introduction of cross-trial variability was really the breakthrough that allowed these models to take off. Can you explain in a bit more detail how that variability solves some of the key issues?
1: Absolutely. With cross-trial variability, drift rates are sampled from a distribution rather than being fixed. This means correct and error responses draw from different mixtures of drift rates. Fast responses are driven more by high drift rates, which tend to be correct. Errors stem more from low drift rates, making them slower. Variability in other parameters like starting point explains phenomena like fast errors too. This variability is what enables the models to fit subtle asymmetries in response time distributions between correct and incorrect responses.
0: Got it, that makes a lot of sense. It's really ingenious how introducing that variability resolves such fundamental issues. From here, Jen. Could you provide an overview of some of the key ways sequential sampling models have been applied in memory research? Sure, there
1: have been numerous applications. Parameter estimation has been useful, comparing conditions based on drift rates reflecting memory strength versus boundary separation reflecting response caution. The models have also provided rigorous tests of signal detection theory assumptions extensions to produce confidence ratings, multi-alternative decisions like free recall, and even continuous responses have all been influential. The models have also been integrated with computational theories to make predictions while specifying the encoding and retrieval processes underlying decisions. Overall, they've become a very general framework across many types of memory tasks.
0: Fascinating Applications It really illustrates how far the methodology has come. To help tie everything together, do you mind providing a concrete example of how integrated models work to help disambiguate theories?
1: Absolutely. One good example is research on recognition memory testing effects. Early work found drift rates declined across tests but didn't distinguish why. Later. OSTH and colleagues integrated a memory matrix model where changes in item interference versus context representations driving retrieval were dissociable. Their diffusion modeling revealed test effects resulted from contextual changes, resolving a long standing debate. Integrating memory and decision models in this way allows them to leverage response times to pit theoretical accounts against each other.
0: What a great example that really illustrates the power of the approach. Thanks for walking us through all of this Jen, I think listeners will find they have a much better grasp of sequential sampling models and their impact now. It's clear they're really shaping the field.
1: You're very welcome, I'm glad we could provide an overview to help explain their importance. They truly are transforming how we understand memory, both empirically and theoretically.
0: And on that note, we've come to the end of our discussion. Thanks again to Jen and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Memory Lab Podcast. Are you tired of those boring, old recognition memory tests? Fed up with all that tedious item reviewing? Then boy do we have the product for you. Introducing the Memtric Matrix Machine. Powered by revolutionary sequential sampling technology, the MMM breathes new life into your study sessions. Simply load up your items, fire up the atomically tuned neural oscillators, and sit back as memories are encoded, interfered with, and retrieved, all while dancing lights and upbeat music keep you engaged. With seven context settings ranging from morning coffee to evening stroll, the MMM tailors immersive encoding states to optimize long term learning. An integrated diffusion model then gamifies retrieval by having you surf the memory waves to recognize items amidst metaphoric drift, starting points, and boundaries. The MMM, it's more fun than math, more memorable than matrices, and way better than boring old flashcards. Act now and we'll throw in a complimentary accessories pack featuring bedazzled boundary headbands and a fast response racing plastic squeeze device. Order your memtric matrix machine today.